Welcome, Watchmen. I am the Paladin Preacher with Peleus Men's Ministry. Let's jump into tonight's topic. Are you ready? Let's begin. What do you think? A man had two sons, and he went to the first son and said, Son, go and work in the vineyard today. And he answered, I will not. But afterward he changed his mind and went. And so he went to the other son and said the same. And his son answered, I go, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said the first. Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes, they believed him. And even when you saw it, you did not afterward change your minds and believe him. Holy Spirit, you created the heavens and the earth and everything in it. Have mercy on us, for you are perfect and we are sinners. Your grace and mercy is unending. And Holy Spirit, we beg your presence in this place. Allow us the gift of clarity that we may hear your words today and not our own. Continue to guide us along the path you have laid out before us. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. The King of glory, the Lord of heaven's armies, Yahweh. Amen. September 1940 Nighttime bombing raids against London and other British cities by Nazi Germany during World War II. The raids followed the failure of the German Luftwaffe to defeat the British Royal Air Force in the Battle of Britain. The daylight attacks against London on September 7, 1940, marked the opening phase of the German bombing offensive against Britain, which became known as the Blitz, after the German word Blitzkrieg, meaning the Lightning War. The daylight attacks soon gave way to night raids, which the British found very difficult to counter. The British lacked effective anti-aircraft artillery and searchlights, as well as night fighters that could find and shoot down aircraft in the darkness. Now keep in mind, technology at this time had been pretty minimal, so being able to find and eliminate enemy aircraft at night was near impossible. The scale of the attacks rapidly escalated, in that month alone, the German Air Force dropped 5,300 tons of high explosives on the capital in just 24 nights. In their efforts to soften up the British population and to destroy morale before the planned invasion, German planes extended their targets to include major coastal ports and centers of production and supply. The infamous raid of November 14, 1940, on Coventry, brought still worse twist to the campaign. 500 German bombers dropped 500 tons of explosives and nearly 900 incendiary bombs in the city of only 10 hours in unrelenting bombardment. Across the Thames, watching the lights of London go out. The whole great town was lit up like a fairyland, in a dazzle that reached into the sky, and one by one, as a switch was pulled, each area went dark, 
and dazzle became patchworks of light, being snuffed out here and there until a last one remained, and it too went out. What was left of us was, was more than just wartime blackout. It was a fearful potent of what war was to be. We had not thought that we would have to fight in darkness, or that light could be our enemy. From Thurso to Truro, from Hastings to Hollyhead, Britain was plunged into darkness. At sunset on 1st of September, two days before war was declared, streetlights were switched off at the mains, vehicle headlights were massed to show only a crack of light, and stations were lit by candles. In the months leading up to the declaration of war, women made and hung blackout curtains and blinds and sealed any gaps around the window edges with brown paper. So you might ask, did the blackouts have any beneficial effect for the British people and the British government during the Blitz? I have a few stats here from the effect it had upon the people and within the city of Britain during the blackout. Burglary and mugging increased, and looters took advantage of deep blackout and bombed out houses. By the end of the first month of the war, there had been 1,130 road deaths attributed to the blackout. The coroners urged pedestrians to carry a newspaper or a white handkerchief just to make them more visible walking on the sidewalks and across the street. A coroner in Birmingham told old people to keep off the streets after dark, suggesting routine visits to the pub in the evening had to be relinquished for the war effort, as so, so many were killed when they stepped from the pub into the darkened streets. Thousands of people struggled to work. Consumer goods and public rail travel, too, was made more difficult by the blackout. In darkened railway yards, porters struggled to read labels on freight, traveling by train at night, which led to increasing delays for passengers. After the blackout was lifted in 1941, doctors had diagnosed a new condition among factory workers on the home front called blackout anemia. Just as seasonal affective disorder is recognized today as being linked to a lack of natural light in winter, so depression was recognized as a consequence of the blackout during the Second World War. Ultimately, 43,000 British civilians were killed, and another 139,000 were wounded during the Blitz. The blackout in defense of the German Blitzkrieg had little to no effect whatsoever, minimizing or preventing the overall destruction from the bombing raids. So how do we get to the next stage in life with the partnership of the Holy Spirit when we realize that we've taken that same posture of blackout approach within the church community today? We try not to keep our heads too high. We try not to talk too loud. We keep quiet in public. We keep quiet in the streets. We keep quiet at church and in our schools and in our workplaces not to speak too loudly of Jesus Christ for fear that the enemy might hear us or see our light that's shining from the Holy Spirit that lives within us. It's unfortunate that we've taken this approach. And it's our goal here to try and transform men to dictate what it means to shine your light and to have the Holy Spirit's power 
and light emanating from within you. Because I fervently disagree with the approach that we've taken so far to keep our heads down, blot out the light, and hope that the enemy would just pass us by. The enemy's never going to pass us by. He's always going to know where we are. And the best thing we can do is to let the Holy Spirit's light shine from within us. So now that we've discussed the current cultural climate and why it's important that we begin now, I think we can now discuss how to introduce our ministry in our discussion and what we need to do. A United States Marine Corps officer, fighter pilot, ground combat leader, was an F-18 pilot deployed twice from the USS John C. Stennis in support of combat operations in Iraq and Afghanistan. He spent three years as an instructor pilot at Top Gun, where he served as a training officer, the senior staff pilot responsible for conducting the Top Gun course. This man's name was Dave Burke. And Dave put it this way. There is a right way, and then there is everything else which is inferior. Everything can be backed up and documented. You cannot do something that is new. We are at a pivotal moment in our history where nearly every possible idea or iteration of an idea has already been developed or created. The same can be said about God's Word. The Bible in its latest canon is the living Word of God, and it is infallible. Therefore, every possible way of sharing God's Word has been conceived and performed. All of the moments in its rich history tie beautifully into the dynamics of our human history. History is commonly referred to as God's story, because after all, he created everything. And I believe that all wisdom and all understanding comes from him. Therefore, it is his story to us that we may learn everything we need to know to be better men and to be better followers of his kingdom. So what do we believe? We believe that God is the king above all kings We believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. We believe in the Holy Spirit, its power, and its presence within us. We believe in Jesus' crucifixion on the cross. We believe in the resurrection that Jesus conquered death. We believe in the Holy Spirit's calling for us to spread the gospel to every nation and every tongue. We believe that Jesus is coming back again. So what do we have to avoid? We're always competing for money and market share. And I say enough. We aren't competing and we are not separate. We are all part of one body of Christ. So typically I'd prefer not to use secular media as a quote for scripture-based training. But in this case, I found it quite fitting. In the uh, very famous series, Game of Thrones, the character Tyrion Lannister said something that to me was, was very profound. And in a sense, I feel like we are at a, at a point where this is completely applicable in our current faith culture. He said, winter is coming. We stand together or we all die. In effect, 
I love this quote because it means we're all fighting for the same thing. We all have the same end in mind. Whatever it is that you believe, when it comes to following Jesus, whatever doctrine that you subscribe to or theology that you believe is more true to the faith, I have to say that none of that really matters. The only thing that matters is introducing people to Jesus Christ and making, having them make him their personal Savior. That's the only way that we grow. That's the only way that we can be united. Because the enemy is coming after us all. And the first thing he wants from us is to be divided based on our theology, based on our beliefs, based on the things that he can use as minute details to silo us off so that we can be fighting amongst each other instead of fighting together in the battle that really matters, the spiritual battle. The objective here is to take back territory from the darkness and not to squabble and fight amongst ourselves for donor bases. The sooner we all wake up to that, the more equipped to tackle the real enemy we will be. And most of all, we cannot be naive to the enemy's tactics. Three questions you should be asking yourself right now. Number one, how do we improve the kingdom of Jesus? Number two, how do we improve the lives of others? And number three, how do we improve our own lives? When we can search deep for answers to these three foundational questions, only then, I believe, can we begin to truly understand what's at stake. Now, those of you who are willing to take this journey with us and study along Scripture and study history and draw closer to the Holy Spirit, we're so grateful that you're with us, and we can't wait to see how God transforms your life through this podcast, because ultimately this is not our own. This is of the Holy Spirit, and he is going to be the one who is at work here. Not me, not our ministry, but the Holy Spirit. Watchmen, thanks again for tuning into the broadcast. If you didn't hate it, go hit that subscribe button. You can check out our website at Peleus.com. That's Peleus, P-A-L-A-E-U-S.com. We'll see you next time. And remember, come one, come all. Together stand tall. For the Lord rejoices in uprightness.